after 20 something years of teaching, I'm still growing. I'm still growing and learning and I'm learning all the particular lessons that I need to learn. This is a podcast for you. This is a podcast for me. This is a podcast for the world we want to see. This is an ode to the commons from which we have fallen. This is a prayer for our return, for the return of a smile, for the return for a while, to the village, to the passion, to the expression, to the journey, to the spirit. My name is Aliko. I'm an event producer, designer, photographer, coach, serial entrepreneur, community curator, and anti-capitalist somatic historian. In this podcast, we explore the many threads of what holds us all in the fabric of life, spirit, business, liberation, music, culture, nature, and more. We the people join you the people for the people podcast. Hi y'all, good day to you. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Lori Wagner, uh, who's an incredible author and writer who influences so many people in the United States to tap into their intuition and subconscious through wild writing. Lori Wagner has been publishing books and essays and teaching writing for the last 25 years. She is a process guru and has a genius for holding space, helping people unzip what's inside of them and get ink on the page. A creative brainstormer, she specializes in out-of-the-box ways to tell your stories. Her wild writing classes are the cornerstone of her work, which she teaches online and takes around the world to places like Kathmandu, San Miguel de Alede in Mexico, House and Oaxaca. She is the author of Living Happily Ever After, Couples Talk About Long-Term Love, and Expectations, 30 Women Talk About Becoming a Mother. The documentary film she was a writer for, For Better or For Worse, was nominated for an Academy Award in 1996. She has written for Glamour, Salon, Brainchild, and the San Francisco Chronicle. This conversation, you guys, is so epic. I'm so excited for you to tap into the truth about entrepreneurship and process and growth and what it's like to just grow old and like grow well, really. Grow well through your work and your passion. Lori has so much wisdom to bestow on us. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. What's it like for you right now? Oh boy, I'll tell you. And we'll see if this is useful to you. Yeah. It's funny. I've had such a I've had a kind of hard day and I am in a real growth place in my work right now. And I guess, you know, to give a little context is that you know, so I teach this wild writing practice. I teach this very creative, very healing practice where we're writing as fast as we can, pen never leaving the page. And the reason we're doing that is to bypass the critical voice 
and the, the, all of the editorial so that we can strengthen and build the relationship with our intuition and our instinct and the creative unconscious. So when we're writing and keeping the pen moving, that's the simplest way to not hear that sound and to not follow that dog home, but to st instead just channel, like say yes to what's coming, say yes to what's coming. It's very, it's very wonderful for getting a lot of ink on the page and just freeing yourself so that you can make connections and dreamy associations without thinking, is that the way, you know, no, we're not doing that. So we're building that muscle. So that's what I do. And I've gone from the first 20 years sitting around a small table with small groups of people doing this work in intense ways and traveling, but in small groups. And then in the pandemic, I opened a membership. And so now I sit down sometimes with 400 people and do it or a big class and do it. And so I'm sort of have had to really expand myself, but also stay super connected to myself. You know, I remember when I first started teaching in the big groups, I was so nervous. I remember one day and I knew there would be about 400 people on the call. I was literally like balled up in the corner of the couch, like two minutes before the call went live, just thinking like there was this part of me was like not possible. And then I just took all the strength they had. And I just like, thrust that off me, I got up and I sat down, but was really helped by something that a friend of mine said, Michael said, and, and I said, you know, why are these people coming? What do they want? And he said that, he said, you, you appear to be somebody who was connected to themselves, mm. somebody who's then by, by therefore connected to their work and their community and their family. And that's what people want. They want to feel connected to themselves. And so all you have to do, he said, is just stay connected to yourself. And you can lead like that, you know, especially on a Zoom call where you're just like, you know. So I've had the last three and a half years of doing a lot of the sort of deep self-healing work that allows me to stay in my seat and also share the work in bigger crowds. And this sort of more eyes and ears on me has also created more anxiety. And it really kicked up a little bit of the perfectionism. I think when I was teaching small, I was in relationship with people and I could feel the room much bit much different when you're on a big Zoom call and you can't really feel the room. So you have to stay connected to yourself. And sometimes it's wonderful and it's so great. And we, you know, it's great. And then other times, and there's been a number of them. And today was one of them where I didn't feel what happened on the call was like, ah, oh, that wasn't really what I had intended. And what, what I was doing today was slightly different. And once a month, I bring in uh, a teacher or somebody who I think is helpful to us, either in writing or creativity. We had Andrea Gibson a couple of months ago who was just, you know, talking a lot about writing. And we've had Maggie Smith and Mark Nepo and lots of really great people. And here's what I want to say. I'm going to say it really directly. And I'm telling you this. It's interesting, you know, we're on a we're on a podcast call and I could like cart out the whole dog and pony show and it's amazing and blah, blah, blah. But 
here's what I'm really sort of digging with today. Here's what's stuck in my teeth today. And this is a big learning for me. So here, I mean, here's a big learning for me. So sometimes I bring in these really big teachers who are bigger than me, more popular than me. Like people come, I'm thinking for them, you know, and then I kind of just hand the keys to the car to them. And I just go, hey, dude, you drive, just drive and you do your thing and I'll just stand back. And sometimes even with a really popular, really profoundly loved teacher, it may not work out the way that I had hoped it would work out. And there's a big lesson in here for me. And the lesson is because usually I sort of do a do si do with the visiting teacher and I we sort of have a conversation that is the teaching. And that's a very yummy kind of rich brew. But sometimes when I'm a little intimidated by their greatness, I just hand them the keys and I go, you're, you're amazing, you drive. And it doesn't, like I said, always work out. And I'm having the big lesson of, okay, dude, I know you think these people are bigger and badder ass than you and that people have come from them, but please don't minimize the importance of what you know, not just about the subject, but how you act in a room full of people, even if you have like a big star with you. So it's a really, have I communicated that clearly? Because that's really the lesson I'm sitting with is really how to have value, how to appreciate and honor my own value and that I know my students and I know my community. And just because somebody is bigger and more famous doesn't mean I can't give them the keys to the car. I can't give them the keys to the car. I can say, get in. I can say, let's do this together. And I guess what I want to say, Aliko, is that I'm learning these lessons publicly. I'm learning them in front of hundreds of people. <laughs> I know. I know. I wish anyone listening to this right now could see what you were just doing. You threw your hands up in the air. You're like doing a hallelujah. You're shaking your head like, holy shit, I can't believe it. And, and But I'm really glad I told you that because I've been doing this work for 30 years. I've grown a lot. I've done a lot of things that haven't worked out with this. I've done like, and it's been amazing. Like the whole thing has just been amazing. Like I've created this huge world. It's amazing world. I have this beautiful membership of like just under 500 people. And I create content for them every week and I dig it. I make one take. It's not perfection. Sometimes I do it after I haven't had a shower for three days, which is how I'm going to do it next week when I'm staying with my part, my ex-partner in his house property with no running water. I'm even a better teacher after three days of no shower. Yeah. I'm a better teacher because I'm more, I'm more in the essence and less in the presentation. So I guess here's what I would just want to say about something, and then I'm going to shut up, but I'm going to ask you this because I know you're going to want to respond because as you grow, and this is for anyone who's listening to this, as you grow, you shape shift, you change. And also you're even to say, get bigger. And I don't mean popularity. I mean, just take up more space, have more eyes and ears with you on, you will pass through growth spurts that are right that are uncomfortable and important because the lesson i learned today 
Like, I'm not giving the keys away, but you can drive with me. It's really important. And it really has a lot to do with me just really honoring what I know, you know? So I'm turning it over to you. What do you think about that? Oh, Lori, you're just, that is the medicine right now. That's the medicine. I can relate. I threw my hands up like that because I'm also like a smaller public figure in the Seattle area. I throw big festivals where three, every like everybody knows Aliko, like just everyone knows Aliko. I have people come up be like, oh, I've seen you online and oh, like you do epic work in the world. Like I've been watching you for a year. Like I just, that's it. And people don't understand that like, I also fail. Yeah. I also fall. Like I fall and luckily I've been blessed to fall in front of like dear friends and community, but I have fallen a few times. Um, yeah. Right. And this last one was this summer that was on my birthday. Uh, I fell flat on my face in front of my closest people mm. on my birthday. And I, the next two days I shut down completely. I didn't eat for two days. Like I just shut down. And what brought me out of it was actually a podcast that Luck sent me on. It was like House of Herbie. It was some random, I don't even know who it was, but it was on failure. And it was some business folks and people talking about failure and how it actually doesn't exist at all. All learning. It's all for growth. And like to reframe a situation. Like, and, and, and they brought up this really powerful component that I like kind of been reflecting on is like people don't actually care. People are mm -hmm. obsessed with their own life yeah, and their own right. stuff. Right. They'll They're think not about it, right. but they don't, they won't like ponder on it as much as we will. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then also this idea of like, this is, I told it, this to a client this morning, like who, or I told this to someone, I did some video for someone at a festival who loved the video, but was like really sad about their voice that night. They felt like it was just terrible and they were off. And I said, you know, like it's all, like I said, what I'm saying to you now, it's all learning. And one of the, one of the things I keep coming back to is like those who I, I told a coaching client this morning, those who dare to fail, dare to succeed. I don't know any other way. I mean, you know, I was, I, as I'm sort of, you know, as I sit with things, I also like pat myself on the back for having the courage to do the thing because I know plenty of people who I love dearly who would never have the courage to get in front of so many hundreds of people. And here's the thing about it too, is that as your anxiety kicks up, because you want to do a good job. There's a tendency to get tight, to go with a script, but that's not what people have really come for. They've really come for the connection. They've come for the connection. And so it's, there's this fear and yet somehow like this, to stay embodied in it, to stay embodied. But that wasn't as clear as I want to say, but I do want to say one thing, which is that I think for me and maybe for others, fear of failure is a fear for me that I'll be abandoned. The people will go like, oh, she doesn't have it. I'm not gonna check her out. I'm not gonna do it. And what I 
I read this thing and it sounds so cliche, but honestly, I think it's got merit. And the thing was like, if you know that you are not going to abandon yourself, then you can make it and you can make it through. So it's like, I got you, girl. Oh, that was tough. <laughs> that was tough today. Take a deep breath. I got you. I got you. Good job. Good job. You know, like that matters because you can't control it and you got to learn it. And, you know, yeah, I'd rather do that than stay small. Mm. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. I'd rather, like, I love that. I'd rather learn how to not abandon myself. Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. To give yeah. myself reassurance to give myself the love I need yeah small yeah. yeah yeah and I guess what inspired you to step into a bigger role and thank you for making it so human to be afraid of stepping into a bigger role I work with people I don't know if you know much about what I do but I work with people mostly one-on-one -on -one, and I help them build their brands and their businesses and their websites yeah. And a lot of it, I've been saying this to people lately, it's actually not about your brand or website. It's about who you become in the process. Nice. And a lot of what I've been coaching people on is the emotional growth that it takes to step into mm -hmm. a higher level of your purpose and yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious for those listening for and for you, like, who it was there people who helped you do that and also how did you inspire yourself to do what was the calling that you followed to step into a higher version of yourself mm -hmm. i certainly have had help i certainly have had a lot of folks who were friends or just people who love the work i think so i think that so I think that there's, I'm just speaking off the cuff, but I think there's a kind of like two two different sort of streams. There's the work that you're doing, that I'm doing, that we're doing. And then there's the I who is doing it, right? The self, the ego, the one. And they work together. And as long as I'm remembering why I do the work, as long as I'm remembering the why of why I do the work and why it's important and why it's healing, mm -hmm. then I can be a clearer, more clear channel for the work. And I can allow myself to step into scary situations because I remember, because I'm thinking about the work and I'm thinking about the people who are receiving it. And I'm trusting myself to communicate it in a way that feels like it has resonance for me. And that's different from looking at myself as a person and the ego part that has a lot of ego questions around, oh my God, is it me? Are they here for me? Is it, am I the magic one? So that can get dis distracting and not helpful. But if I allow, like a lot of times in the last many, in the last year, I felt like I have like a wind at my back. I have wind at my back. It's, and I feel this now, it's like I'm just being sort of pushed along. Mm -hmm. And it's because I really, I'm down with the message. I understand what the offering is. 
and I'm taking care of myself. This is important too. Yeah. So that I can be a clear channel for the delivery. And when I say taking care of myself, I mean getting fresh air, making sure I get sleep, making sure my relationships are clean and so I'm not distracted by stuff, making sure I don't drink, I don't overdrink or do anything that would upset my sleep or just my peace. And so that's me taking care of myself. And so I haven't exactly answered your question per se. I've had plenty of friends who have really helped me by reflecting how much they love the work and also like loving on me for sure. And I have a team of people who help me in a big way and they set all this stuff up. And this is many years into it. I didn't have a team. I was just me. It was me plunking away at everything for, you know, almost 20 years. And now I have people who's doing, they're doing all the bells and whistles behind it. And they say, your job is just to create and teach. Mm. And I would say, and add to that, and my job is to take, to continue to take really good care of myself so that I can be a good channel for the teaching, but also, and this is important too, allow myself to change, allow myself to change too, because I'm 63 years old and that's different than who I was 20 years ago. And I'm thinking about things differently and, and things are of different importance to me. And so it's, again, it's not just like banging the same drum, like here's the work, here's the teaching. It's like, where am I now? So it's taking the teaching with me as I grow and change. So a lot of them, you know. <laughs> yes, I and I love what you said there specifically about you've had help. I, one of my things that I've been sharing with people is like it. One one of the things like my one of my coaches had told me is like it takes a village to raise a person, mm. and like what I've really been instilling in 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 people that I've been coaching is like we can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. um, can't do our growth alone. Like we need each other to grow. And I'm a coach that has coaches. I have two coaches and I coach people because mm -hmm. we are one of the ways I, I describe it. It's like trading blueprints. We're sharing information between each other so that we can grow together. And then, so I love that you've had help. And then I love what you also shared about self-care as well. Um, I know I also have a pretty solid self-care routine every morning. I have my morning practice every evening. I do an evening routine. And then every week I make sure that I'm either going to the gym at least once, cold plunging, dancing at least once, being out in nature, at least, like pretty deep nature at least one time. And yeah, and those are like my, and then monthly, like a massage. I really make sure that I those things are locked in because if they're not like you're like exactly what you said, like we, when we're strong, the things around us are strong. And when we're not strong, like holistically, every, everything impacts each other. Your family life impacts your relationships, impacts your business, impacts your work, impacts your health. Mm -hmm. And so it's all the things needed to need to be tended to. And on that same note, for the first, I've been in 
self-employed now for I believe about six or seven years. I've lost a little track. But for the first year and a half or two, I was not taking care of myself at all. I just was like working and nothing was coming of it. And I wasn't making money and just nothing was coming of it. And then I started to put myself first in my work. And since like, it's just been like that wind you felt described, like pushed since I put myself first, like my business has grown. I've made more. I have a small team of people. Um, I do less, so I don't need them all the time, but I have a small team of people that I work with that support the work in the world. And so I, re I really hear you that like these key components that I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs speak about, it's across the board, really important. I think that when you bring yourself out into the light, i.e. when you allow people to see you, it can trigger a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you're not feeling like you've got your own back mm -hmm. in a sort of sensitive, loving way, it can really be distracting. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean that it's not uncomfortable, but I know that you know, part of, I think, growing and getting more mature with your work is learning to be uncomfortable, mm. learning how to be more comfortable being uncomfortable. Oof. Uh, I know, because it's really, who likes to be uncomfortable? Who likes to feel that they didn't do a good job? Who likes to feel that they could have done better? You know, that was another thing that I'm really working on, too, is someone, a therapist, commented to me that I, I, I say a lot of like, next time we can do better. Next next time you'll do better. And she's like, is that helpful? She's like, in a way it kind of keeps you on the, you never get the satisfaction of like, good job, friend. Good job, friend. Yeah. And what are your takeaways? Cool. Oh, not going to give the car keys away next time. Cool. Good learning. All right, friend. As opposed to shoot. You know, how did I let that happen? Or I'm not going to do that again next, you know, like next time I'll like, it's, there's an energetic thing mm -hmm. and she's helping me catch that. So mm -hmm. I can let it go. So I can move forward. We'll move to the next one. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if that one is better or not. It doesn't. It's again, of course, we all want our work to be good. We all want it to be like, wow, that was great. I loved it. And I'm thinking of like Terry Gross on NPR. Terry doesn't have like a hit every time she interviews people. 
And we don't really remember that, I guess, do we? You know, like mm -hmm. you said. But we, I think, again, like to put yourself out there into the world in whatever way, you have to really do some hand-holding with yourself so that you can tolerate it when it's not comfortable. Oof, so deep. Thank you so much for these pieces of medicine, this wisdom, and also for your vulnerability. Like, thank you. Like, that's the only way I really believe that we can move through the world, like, to, is to be, put our, be real. Like, we're not going to learn anything from each other and from life if we're not in the deep end all the time. Totally. And the transparency, like, I, I have a teacher training, and so I teach other people to do this work I do. But I always say, you know, we're going to sacrifice our facade when we're teaching, we're going to be naked facilitators when we're teaching, when we're writing, so that we can model what we're asking people to do. So that we're not sitting on a pedestal and someone thinks like, wow, maybe one day I'll be like, like, number one, that's no relationship to have with people where they look up to you and they think maybe one, like there's, that's not a, that's not an intimate relationship, you know? Better to see someone you really admire stumble a little. Better to see someone you admire struggle with something mm. because you feel, I think you can take a deep breath and you can say, all right, all right, we're all in the same boat and I really love and admire that person. And oh yeah, they stumble too. I think it's more generous for me to show you my stumbling today, Aliko, and the hard day, as opposed to the other things I could wow you about, which would make me look good, but which wouldn't be helpful. I think it's more helpful to tell you that at 63, after 20-something years of teaching, I'm still growing. I'm still growing and learning, and I'm learning all the particular lessons that I need to learn. Thank you. What a gift. Because how could I be helpful? It's like I wrote this a long time ago in another lifetime. I wrote this book on marriage. It was called Living Happily Ever After, and it was on 30 couples who'd been married 30 years or longer. And already I'd been married one year, and I knew it was a piece of work. It was hard. And so when I went out there to interview couples, my real main question was, like, could a hard marriage be a good marriage? Because mine was hard already. And so every time people would talk to me, if they're like, oh, we've never had a problem, it's love at first sight, like turn the tape recorder off because what help could that be to people? But the people who were willing to really let me in to their relationship and show me the struggles, show me the conversations, show me how they tanked the thing and then re resurrected it, then I could see that my own marriage, hard as it was at times, was actually just a fine marriage. And it wasn't so different than other people's marriages. And so it gave me and it gave people who read the book the confidence to be where they were, mm. be in the challenge. And I think that's what it was. It wasn't, you know, five stellar tips on how to have the marriage of your dreams or look at these people. They're really like, that's not helpful. We're just human beings flailing around. We're going to get older. We're going to go bye-bye, you know? Yeah. 
so as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about anyone who saw me today in the world I was in today, where I came away feeling, oh, I could have done a better job. And I'm going to just like, I'm going to imagine that those people are looking at me, if they're even remembering it, they're probably onto something else by now, as you said. But like, like, I'm going to send me a little love. <laughs> and we have, I'm going to like imagine them sending me a little love. It's like, we're all just doing our best here. Totally. Yeah. And I've had several, you're right. Yeah. I've had a friend call me yesterday while driving and she was like, thank I'm, I've seen you grow so much in the last eight years. And it's, I learned like I've had several people reflect that they've learned from my failures mm -hmm. and like my trials and errors and like, yeah, it's, and we're striving for, we're striving for more. And that ins has inspired other people to strive for more. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're all, I love what you said there. We're all just doing the best we can with what we have, where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot exactly what I was going to say. Can we keep, can we want to keep doing the work? Let me see if I can remember the sentence. If we're going to keep doing the work, knowing that we're going to encounter moments that are difficult and we are going to hit up against our perfectionism of whatever, can we also pack in that same suitcase just like a truckload of compassion for ourselves so that when we take that big ride that, you know, we got like a mama sitting on our side just going, hey, dad, hey, doll. Good job, doll. Good job. Mm. And you, you know, like we're gonna need all that compassion for yeah. ourselves. It's so real, and compassion for others too, and in, in our interactions. And I'm here for that. I I want to pivot a little bit and ask you about your journey to where you're at. Like, what? And you're you've been on the planet 63 years. How? Did you find yourself where you are today and what's that journey been like? And yeah, I'll just start there. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, without going into the whole, and then I, when I was 10, I won't do that, but I will say that I was always like a super creative kid who played music and wrote and drew and, you know, was very expressive early on, drew on my walls, always making comics and all sorts of things. And I kind of continued that, you know, like I kept, no matter where I was at in my life, I was always doing something creative because I had a need to express myself. And so whether it was a guitar or a pen or a story, I was always doing something. And I think that's like a little light in our lives, like, you know, and somehow, like until I was about 31, I allowed myself to follow that light. So I had bands and I wrote for the local paper here and I put myself out and just kept assuming that I could do this stuff. Like I could have a band and I could publish the work and I, you know, and it was all kind of small potatoes in some way, but I kept the light alive. Like I think when you, if you have a little light, like there's something you like and you're like, I like that, but I like it. You should follow it, you know, keep following that because we don't know where it goes. We don't know if it's going to make you famous or popular or make, put money in your pocket, but it will keep you connected to yourself. And that's really important. 
And then a really important thing happened to me when I was 31. I, I reversed all that. And I said, you know, I don't think that I'm a good enough musician, writer, or artist to make it in the market. And I think I'm going to just pull the plug on all that now and go work for Simon & Schuster. And I went and worked for the publisher. And that, that was a big decision I did. And I learned a lot there. I was there for three, three and a half years. And one of the things I learned, because Simon put a lot of books out into the world and not all of them were good and many of them weren't good at all. <laughs> started to realize that I had basically said to my own creativity, sorry, you're not going to make it in the market. So we're going to shut you down. And what I realized was that how sad was that to myself? How sad was that to the part of me that is lit, that just wants to pick up a pen, that wants to pick up a guitar, that like, how's, like how unfair. And I realized, I, I realized that I wondered aloud, was I going to have to get sick in order for me to quit the corporate job? Was that how it was going to take? And so I took a really big risk and I left the corporate job and I had, by the way, and this is a whole other podcast probably, but I had two different female bosses tell me that they didn't have faith in me, that they didn't think I was going to be, make it as a writer or anything like that. Like I had a couple of women in my life tell me that, yeah. I, I know, well, exactly. And you know what my reaction to that is, mm, you don't know me, watch me. Like that's my reaction. But anyway, I was out of Simon for a month and I got offered a book deal. And so it was like, I don't say like the universe, blah, 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 but I'll say it like the universe fucking heard me. And the universe was like, good for you, girl, you quit. And here's a book deal. Yeah, here's a book deal. So I began to write books for Chronicle Books in San Francisco and I loved it. And I wrote a book on long-term marriage and I wrote a book on becoming a mother, which I was becoming and wrote a number of books for them. And I loved that life. I just loved that life. I traveled. I talked to people. It was all intimate conversations. I just dug it so much. And doing something like that, maybe some of your listener viewers will know that when you are, in order to keep that going, you need to create something, sell it to the market, have them say yes, pay you, and then you can do it. And that's hard. That can be really hard because not everything is they want to buy. And I had little kids and my husband was an artist. And so the practical part of me, after a couple of those books, I realized I need a consistent income. And so I started teaching. I started teaching writing, not for the university, not in an academic setting, but I pretty much just like straight off the street, pulled it from my hip pulled her from the sky, stayed instinctual and started teaching nonfiction writing at writers.com, which is a really cool website for writing. And then I did that for about 11 years. And so, you know, I was teaching and editing and creating and working with people. And also I was writing and, and that's how I was kind of doing things. And the wild writing, which is the work I've been doing for the last 20 years, that just grew and grew. And I took, that was you know, the wild writing is this automatic writing. And so imagine I was doing a whole bunch of different kinds of nonfiction and I was making a living as a teacher, as a writer from home with little kids. 
just doing my own thing, but I grew it and I grew it and I kept writing and putting myself out and blogging and just trying to, you know, I was following the light. I'm following the light and, and grew and developed. And I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so, I was finally able just to do the wild writing. And so what that looked like was, you know, maybe eight classes a week of small groups online and live. And then, you know, starting to, my friend Andrea Shear and I starting to travel, like tomorrow we're going to Taos and we're going to be teaching for a week in Taos while writing and art. And we teach in San Miguel de Allende. We teach in Oaxaca. In November, I'm going to Kathmandu. I just bought my tickets today to Kathmandu to teach wild writing and we're going to do meditation and wild writing. And like, so it's really evolved. It's like, you know, you ask how it happened. And I think that if you stay with something long enough, if you really stay with something long enough, and, it, and you, the only reason to do that is because it feeds you because something juicy and yummy is happening. But if you stay with it long enough, it continues to unpack itself and show you more of what it is. Kind of like being in a relationship. If you stay really open, it's like you can start to really catch the breath of who we are, who this person is, you know? So I've just continued to learn. And year after year, the thing about the wild writing, Aliko, is that if it's for you, it's so for you. And so you people just kept coming back to my classes over and over. And I started noticing that they just wanted their seats back. And I was like, hey, thanks, that's great. What, there's so many other classes. Why are you coming back here? It feels good. It feels good here. I like this work. And so I started seeing, and this is a big change too, that this isn't just a writing class. This is like healing material. And I would never call myself a healer. I, that's, I don't traffic like that. That's not for me to say. I know the work is healing. I know the work is healing. And so because the work is healing, it has grown. It has grown. And again, back to, can I keep myself clean? Can I be a clear channel? Can I deliver and share this really healing work with people and continue to heal myself as I deliver it? So I guess I just want to say, yeah, I mean, that was the, the short version, but I guess when I'm thinking about it, it's like, I'll say this, my kids have like heard me say this a hundred billion times, they're so sick of it, but it's true. Someone told me this, when you're looking ahead at your life, it looks like there are all these different paths, but when you're looking behind, it's one path, one path. And that means that everything that you're doing along that path, the hard times, the good times, the choices that didn't amount to anything, the things that opened up to something bigger, all important. And I think there's one more thing too, which is that I live under a big umbrella of creativity and self-expression. So I can do whatever I want. I can move into the writing. I can language it as I like. I'm the ringmaster here. And so it gives me a lot of room to express myself in different ways. And as I stumble or I have trouble, or I am lit and elevated, whatever, you know, it's like, uh, there's room for me to be me in the world I've made. 
And I would hope that any, I know, I would hope that anybody who made a world for themselves continued to check in with themselves, to continue to say like, Am I expressing? Am I shut down? Where am I shut down? What am I afraid of? You know, like, and I'm constantly asking that stuff. Oh, it's hard for me to see myself today in this light. Oh, okay, here we go. You know, it's, this is a life path. It's not the work. It's not work. It's a life path. Right? I know we're speaking the same language. Yeah, I think I'm just, I'm not around people very often who speak the same language as me. So it feels so reassuring and settling. I'm often coaching people on this language that you're talking about. And so just everything you said is is the, the way that I also see the universe. One of the things I told a client today is like, and this relates to when you left your job, I said to them like, the universe is a mirror and it mirrors your actions and thoughts and energy as well. But you're really telling the universe you want something when you do an action. And so like like a mirror, like you do an action and will reflect back what you're putting out in the world. That's thoughts, that's energy, that's love, that's the whole nine yards. And, and so what you're speaking about is absolutely everything that that. I walk also my life path with. And yeah, I think my one of my last questions for you is writing. T- talk to me about writing. What is that for you? Do you typewrite or do you like to write I on a... Call. When we're wild writing, when we're doing that, we're using our hand because there's less of a tendency to want to clean it up or make it good. You know, we're actually in the wild writing. We're trying to stumble. We say, pray that you will stumble. Pray that you will stumble. Pray that you will take, you will use a wrong word that takes you into a new place. Mm. Like pray that happens to you, that you lose your mind such that you are sort of freed of the shackles of everything you want to do. Like, you know, we would say like, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. That's Dante's Inferno. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. So I, but I also know how to write fast on the computer in a way that's very messy. And You know, the idea is that the creative unconscious, just like, you know, in your dreams, it it sources for you all sorts of nuggets. And if we can listen to that by writing as fast as we can or keeping the pen moving and just trusting the nuggets that come, the next one comes and the one after that. And so that's how all the writing gets initiated. And then if I'm turning it into a blog post or an essay or something like that, you know, I'll start looking at it and I'll start, you know, seeing like, oh, where can I show more? You know, that's always a thing with writing. It's like, show me a scene, show me how can I convey this to the reader in a way that isn't just my feelings, but how can I bring them into a more a three-dimensional experience of reading this so they feel like they're in a story. They're walking down the sandy beach path as I'm following my mother as she watches her feet so she doesn't stumble, you know. How can I make this a more visceral experience for readers? So I do edit it. I do edit my work and try not to take the wildness out of it. Mm. Try not to kill it with things that make sense. 
So try to leave a lot of freshness into it. Was that the question you asked? Yeah. It's um, like, what speaks to you about writing? Like what, like, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. I, yeah, what speaks to you about it? And like, what is the magic you've seen that it's impacted people with as well as, you know, I write sometimes, but I'm not a writer. I, I'm a, I speak, but, and so I'm curious, like, what are those people who have come into your classes felt and done as, yeah. you know, what's the transformation that you've seen happen through writing? The writing is really meant to be transparent. We're meant, we're really being inspired to tell the truth, to show up authentically, to drop the facade. Mm. And so what happens when you drop the facade in your own work, you allow people to see you. And when people see you or they read your work and they feel a human being there who is allowing themselves to really be seen and not be too clever or too smart or veil up like that, they can feel their own humanity. And now we are connected and now they have an experience for themselves. Like they can take that back and they're not just thinking about what happened to me on the page, but they're feeling something. Mm. And when the writers who are doing this work are doing that writing, what's happening is that I think of it as a psychic alignment. You know how when you go to a chiropractor and they align your bones so that you can sit and stand and walk without pain, when you are telling the truth, when you are using authentic language, when you are allowing yourself to actually use the language that is true, there's a kind of alignment that happens psychically within you. There's a calming down because you're not covering anymore. You're not hiding. And so the feeling that happens for the writer is a kind of relief that they don't have to be any more special that they don't have to use smarty pants language or no such and such in order for them to come out onto the page. The writing gives them permission to be who they are. And that is very healing. And, and do you start people with a prompt or something or you just have them? Yeah. We use poetry. We use this gorgeous transformational narrative poetry that is, there's so much out there. It's so beautiful that really helps us to uh, it speaks to our lives. Live, these are poems written by folks, by people who are actually expressing and exposing. And we use the poem as a kind of microdose mm -hmm. of just like gorgeous beauty that I lob at these people. Like here, take this poem and read it to them. And they let it inside them like a kind of magic medicine. And then I give them a jump offline. And then we start writing. We use the line as a way to take the medicine of the poem, it meets the medicine of what's moving through you now, and it moves through you through the poem. Mm. And do you, to end this podcast, like, do you have a line that people, you want to give people a prompt that they can take and write with? I wish I had the whole poem on me. It's uh, a beautiful Mark Nepo poem called, I believe it's called Adrift. Right. And if you want to add it to this, but there's a line in that poem that is just so beautiful. I wish I had it right here. I could find it online if you wanted me to. You have a second. We can clip this out. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to find it? Sure. And you can read it and then yeah. give the prompt. Yeah. So here's an example of one of these gorgeous poems. And it's short. And there's a line at the end that is just stunning. And this is a jump 
offline. So Mark Nebo is the poet. The poem is called Adrift. Everything is beautiful, and I am so sad. This is how the heart makes a duet of wonder and grief. The light spraying through the lace of the fern is as delicate as the fibers of memory forming their web around the knot in my throat. The breeze makes the birds move from branch to branch as this ache makes me look for those I've lost in the next room, in the next song, in the laugh of the next stranger. In the very center, under it all, what we have that no one can take away and all that we have lost face each other. It is there that I'm adrift, feeling punctured by a holiness that exists inside everything. I am so sad and everything is so beautiful. Mark Nepo, I am so sad and everything is so beautiful. That is a jump off line. That is for sure. Jump off line. That is a jump off line. Oh. So, you know, that's where, that's what poetry can do. Poetry is an economy of language. It's a transmission of something so gorgeous that we can take that and we can take it inside of us. And when I take that line, I am so sad and everything is so beautiful. And I use it as a jump off line. And then I just pull all that I know about that right into it. And then if anyone is going to try this, I repeat that line over and over throughout the piece. I am so sad and everything is so beautiful. Maybe I'll repeat it four or five times. And so that's the practice. If people come to my website, I think if you sign up for my mailing list at www.27powers.org, you will get three free days of wild writing. Three free days. You can check it out. And that's the best way to do it. Yeah. So I love people to check it out. I think we've also got something else coming up. I have all sorts of little ways that I bring people in. Some are just like quite affordable, just, you know, a few bucks to like check this out. Some are free. And then, you know, there are classes and and travels, of course. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be going to something while I'm on the road. I will make sure that it's on my radar. And I'll, you know, I'd love to meet you in Taos or, you know, or wherever you're going to do something and pop into a class. So, yeah, thank you. I'm, yeah. Thank you for this transparent conversation. I was not, it wasn't an easy day for me. Yeah. I really, I loved when you said, let's talk. And I said, what do you want to talk about? And you said, we're just going to just see where it goes. And I really loved that you trust yourself and you trust yourself to connect with me and lead. And, and, and I couldn't, and I couldn't be anything other than I was today. I am so sad and everything is so beautiful. <laughs> I, 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 we didn't have time to get into what's alive in my life and it that that line encompasses the whole thing yeah i think i'm going to take some time to yeah. write about that thank you so much yes, for coming on and being real this is exactly this is it there was so much there's so much medicine in this last hour i'm so grateful thank you I would also love to bring you on again. And I love language and talking about like language and the impacts on consciousness. Like that's a whole realm that I love to get into. But for now, this is, yeah, this is beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah.
wasn't that epic. Lori's so cool. I freaking love her. Thank you, Lux and Zoe, for that introduction. I got to spend some time with Lori at her beautiful home in Oakland last December in 2022. And hope to be back soon. Um, so to find out more about Wild Writing and Lori's work, you can visit 27powers.org. That's number 27powers.org. I really want to invite y'all to write. I am so sad and everything is so beautiful.